Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So we are kicking off a brand new series this morning, brand new conversation called Bend, Don't Break. And i got to be honest about where some of the inspiration for this series came from, certainly from my own life for some of the stuff that my life has felt like for me, but also uh, to Encanto. I don't know if there's any Disney Plus fans. You, you, you're feeling it. Yep, your kids, you watch that too much. That's what that means, because I do. Um, so I don't know. There's a new Disney Plus movie. Uh, it's been out for a minute. It was Encanto. Lin-Manuel, who wrote Hamilton, wrote most of the songs for Encanto. And so our kids are obsessed with that movie currently. No, this series isn't about Bruno. Anybody? Okay. Um, so... We don't talk about Bruno. Uh, but uh, so me and my wife, we were driving one day. We were actually driving to my parents' house uh, for dinner, and we're listening to one of the songs called Surface Pressure. And so I'm talking to Julie about some of the things that I'm thinking about teaching. This is, you know, a couple of months ago, some of the things I'm thinking about for the series. And I start describing, man, I just, I want to talk about just feeling pressure and there's like so much going on and it's kind of like, it all looks good on the outside. And the song Surface Pressure is literally all about one of the sisters in the movie trying to keep it all together for the family, but on the inside, she's falling all apart. And literally there's a line in there where she says, Ben, don't break. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I want to preach on. She was like, Encanto? I was like, no, not, not. Like that, that's it, that's it. Bend, don't break. It looks like it's all good on the outside, but on the inside, man, it feels like it's falling apart. Now, bending and not breaking is a good thing, right? In the sports analogy world, when a defense is bending, not breaking, it means they're giving up little shots, but they're not giving up the big play. They're not letting up the touchdown. They're not letting the goal get scored, right? So bending, not breaking is good. For you and for me, bending is certainly better than breaking. In fact, it means there's some level of flexibility and resilience that helps us keep moving. However, What I want to explore today and for the course of this series is while bending is certainly better than breaking, we as humans were not created to constantly live in a bend, don't break state. That you and I were not created with the kind of capacity to always day in, day out, live in the bend, don't break state. Because here's what's happening. Here's what will happen. With enough bending, anything will break, even you and even me. And I don't know what the past couple of years has felt like for you, what the past six months has felt like for you, what the past even month has felt like for you. I don't know. It feels like 2021 just kind of like tripped and rolled into 2022. You know, it's like, I don't know, do we actually start a new year? It just kind of feels like all the same. feels kind of like blah. I'm not really sure where to go with it. So I don't know if this is true for you, but what has felt true for me to some degree, certainly throughout seasons in the past couple of years, is life has felt a lot like surviving, not thriving surviving, not thriving. I'm just trying to make it through, right? It feels like you're operating at a, at a deficit. That's what surviving, not thriving feels like. Maybe it's, um, it's, it's, you know, nothing is getting your best. Work doesn't feel like it's getting your best. Family doesn't feel like um, it's getting your best. Maybe you feel like you're behind on everything, even though you're actually doing a lot of things. That's an interesting thing, surviving, not thriving. Maybe you feel like you just do not have enough time to do all the things that you need to do. For some of you, this is certainly true for me, you're like stressed and worried about things and you're not even really sure why. Surviving, not thriving. It's like you're just holding the line, 
holding the line. Another way to think about it, just keeping it together until. Just keeping it together until that project at work is over. And just keeping it together until, okay, that, that, that one class that I've got this semester, it's killing me until that, that's over. It just feels like, okay, I'm just gonna keep it together until my kids get out of whatever stage they're in. I'm just gonna keep it together until I get, until I get more time. I'm just gonna keep it together until my marriage just figures out whatever it is that it is going through. I, I, I just gotta keep it together uh, until I get some more sleep. I just gotta keep it together until the political candidate that I want gets in office. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep it together until COVID is over. And for some of you, for some of you, whatever hope is on the other side of your until, you're thinking, this is going to be the moment. This will be the thing that will fix it. Then I'll be kind of back into my groove. But isn't there just a part of you that just kind of knows it's really not going to fix it? Like maybe it'll feel good for a minute and temporary relief, but there's a party that just knows. In fact, there's some of you that have gotten to the other side of your until and it has not lived up to what you thought it would feel like. In fact, I would imagine if your life is anything like mine, there are some words that might kind of define what life feels like for you. And this is one of them. Tell me if you can't relate. You just feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, and by overwhelmed, here's what I mean specifically. You are carrying so much. You're carrying so much that you're carrying the weight of decisions that you have to make day in and day out. Big decisions, small decisions, decisions for you, decisions at work, decisions for your boss, decisions for your employees, decisions for your kids, decisions for your marriage. Like you're just constantly making big decisions, small decisions, and you're carrying the weight of so many decisions. Technology now makes it pretty much impossible to disconnect from work. So you're carrying work home with you. You're carrying that out of control group text everywhere that you go. You're carrying the weight of some kind of class and it's just a lot and you knew it was gonna be tough, but it's just, you're, and it's not even, even if there's not even any homework, you're just feeling the weight of I gotta figure out how to get through this. You're carrying the weight of people needing you, your kids, your spouse, your aging parents, you've got friends that are going through a tough time. And come on, parents, my, my wife, she sent me this Instagram uh, with this, this quote. We don't know who, who said it, but um, it said this. It said, being a mom is like jumping out of an airplane and no one knows how to use the parachute and so you get everybody else to shoot, but then you don't open yours. You just hit the ground, but you don't die. You get up and cook dinner. <laughs> Moms, am I right? Yeah, we see you moms, we do. Just carrying so much. Single moms, multiply by 100, you're carrying so much. Single dads, single parenting. You're, you're feeling the pressure of, of being great, of living up to expectations of people, the pressure of, of, of being a great employee, of being a great parent, wanting to make sure you give your child the best, wanting to make sure your student gets out of middle school and high school and college unscathed and there's so much pressure you're carrying there. For some of you, the pressure of living up to the expectations of whatever measure God has for you. We're carrying so much, carrying the tensions of just the difficulty and of life, the drama of relationships, the drama of family, the, the breakup that almost wiped you out. Somebody is sick and you're having to carry that. 
how to pay for this, how to get through that, the expectations of people. I mean, come on, it doesn't take much convincing. Overwhelmed. We're just carrying so much. Another one that might create some common emotion. So many of us are overcommitted. So if overwhelmed, you're carrying so much, and to some degree, this is of no fault of our own, it's just life. Overcommitted to some degree is a little bit our fault sometimes, but you're doing so much. We're doing so much. I'm doing so much. Isn't it true? Busyness is like a status symbol today. How you doing? Ah, you know, just busy, (laughs) killing it. Just real busy. So busy, way busier than you. (laughs) Like there's just something in that that we feel that's like, yeah, I'm important if I'm busy. So we do so much. We take on extra, even if our family has no margin or capacity, or even if our own heart doesn't have margin or capacity, we just take it on. For some of you, you're doing so much because your kids are doing so much. And it's like so many activities, and it's like 10 different things Monday to Tuesday. (laughs) Running to practice, running this performance, and then Saturday happens, and it's like three things in a row, boom, 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 and next thing you know, it's like, I don't know. For some of you, like you you say yes to everything because you don't want to miss out on anything. And you fill up your schedule. And for so many of us, there's just no margin. Isn't this so true? Watch this. I'm about to get you with this one. How many of you like cannot wait because you see a free weekend with nothing four weeks from now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just got a lot of silent amens. Y'all clapping. I mean, y'all, I mean, come on. A free where there's nothing. It's like I can't wait for that weekend. Five weeks away. What does that tell you about us? <laughs> Over committed. And, and, and I'm not saying any of that stuff, all of it isn't necessarily bad. It's just a reality. We are overcommitted, doing so much. And then lastly, and this one I believe is a symptom of the digital age that we live in. We are overexposed, overexposed. We are seeing way too much, which means we are processing way too much. Again, the digital age, smartphones, I have an iPhone, okay? I'm not trying to say they're evil, but I'm just saying, man, like, We cannot disconnect from the world because of them. You're constantly getting notifications. Even if you're trying to take a break, your phone just constantly wants to remind you that it's there. You can't disconnect from all that is going on around the world. Instagram is showing us news and showing us who to compare ourselves to. I was talking to somebody a little while back and they said, Samer, doesn't it feel like the world is getting worse? And I was like, ah, I don't know if it's getting worse, I just think we, because of the world we live in, are seeing all the bad from all around the world at real time that it feels like it's just going terrible. Because it's just right there. News headlines popping up. Social media, a tool of social comparison unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We're just begging ourselves to compare. They're doing better than I am. I don't like that outfit. I've got more. Oh, really? You know, I mean, come on. With every scroll, with every swipe we're comparing, are we measuring up to somebody? We've got a, uh, some kind of measure, constantly comparing. And you know what does this, this does? Overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overexposed. We're carrying so much, doing so much, processing and seeing so much. Come on. It starts to take a toll on you and on me. It starts to take a toll on our bodies and our minds and our wills. In fact, our bodies, our minds, and our wills were never created to be exerted to such a degree that they are being exerted week in and week out. Disrupts life as we know it. 
disrupts our peace, disrupts our joy, it disrupts our rhythm, it disrupts our relationships. And before we know it, it starts to disrupt our souls. Far beyond anything physical. In fact, there's even research to support this. It's what researchers call ego depletion. Ego depletion. It's when you and I are depleted to a point beyond just physical rest. And they've studied people that are ego depleted. And here's what they found. This is fascinating. That people who are operating out of a depleted state, this one's pretty obvious, they're more tired and they experience more negative emotions. But do you know that people operating out of a depleted state watch a sad movie and are more sad? People operating out of a depleted state when facing temptation are much more likely to give in. Research suggests that um, depleted people when faced with challenges or some kind of difficult project at school or at work are more likely to turn in lower quality work or fail altogether. In fact, this is crazy, that in depleted people, they have seen that the brain area that is in charge of self-control, the anterior singular cingulate cortex, which for self-control, it literally experiences a slowdown so that we are less self-controlled and might do things that we normally wouldn't do or act in ways we normally wouldn't act. And you could probably guess this one, that depleted people experience less satisfying relationships and marriages are tougher. But come on, you don't need me to tell you the research. Because you're human, you've felt this. I have felt this, that what is going on is something far deeper. It's an inward condition of the soul. And, and here's the hard part. You ready? Watch this. And you've tried it. I've tried this. More sleep won't fix it. A vacation won't fix it. Come on, how many of y'all get back from a vacation and you're tired? It's like, what? Someone explain to me how that works. Like more time isn't going to fix it. Your kids behaving isn't going to fix it. Getting past that one exam isn't going to fix it. A Netflix binge isn't going to fix it. An Amazon shopping spree isn't going to fix it. That bottle of wine isn't going to fix it. Might get a temporary distraction and relief, but come on, you know this, that you've gone there. It doesn't fix it. In fact, and this is what puts all of this in view for all of us, is it doesn't take anything catastrophic in your life or in mine to get to this place. It's the constant grind of day-to-day life because here's what's true. Life is hard. It can be good, but life is hard. Week in and week out, family and work, and you trying to figure out your own life. Life is difficult. Life is hard. And the week in, week out grind, if we're not paying attention to what it's doing on the inside of us, will lead us to a place of depletion. It will lead us to a place where we've been bending far too long and something's about to give. So with that, as a backdrop to where you might have found yourself, where you might find your heart or your mind, or the state of your soul, it's certainly true for me. Jesus gives us an invitation into a new space, into a new way of navigating the load of life. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, and now if you're up in church, you've heard this verse before, I'm believing today that maybe you see something brand new in it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus, he's speaking to to some of his disciples and a bunch of people following him, and this is what he says. An invitation, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Come on, we could sit on that for the rest of the morning. Even just hearing that invitation can feel a little comforting. Come to me, all of you who, not that have it all figured out, feel like everything is okay. No, no, those of you that are weary and burdened. Those of you that know there is something just not working out. Those of you that are weary, you're exhausted from the striving, from the working, from the doing, from the comparing, from the keeping up with, from the living up to, from the being available for, and the going and the going and the going. Come to me, those of you that are burdened, literally loaded down by the weight of the world. Loaded down because you're wading through the difficulty. Loaded down because you're trying to navigate the expectations of people. You're trying to get through that breakup. Loaded down because like a good parent, your child is going through something and you are carrying as much of that burden as you possibly can. Jesus says, to those of you overwhelmed by the load of life, come to me. Then he expounds on his invitation. It says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So here's the only place in all the New Testament where Jesus tells us about his heart. Whenever you talk about the heart in the scriptures, it, 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 it talks about the all-encompassing nature of who somebody is. And so here we learn that Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. And here's what that means. Gentle meaning he's not harsh. Meaning he's not easily frustrated or impatient. He's abounding in love and compassion and understanding. He is humble. Maybe you grew up, maybe your translation says lowly, meaning as God, he chose in a, as a humble servant to come down and take the lowly place with us as humans. In his humility, he made himself available and accessible to us in our mess. So this Jesus, whose heart is for you and every person in this room that is willing to admit, hey man, I'm weary and I'm burned. Like he is for you as you are and where you are. This Jesus, with that big of a heart for you, invites you and me to take up his yoke and learn from him. Now, to the audience that Jesus would have been speaking to, uh, an agrarian society, they would have understand immediately the picture of the yoke. But for us, a little bit of context is helpful. This is what a yoke is. It's a farming tool. And it would yoke two animals together to carry the weight. Now, in first century Judaism, this was a common idiom that rabbis use. Um, a rabbi was just a teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. They were teachers, and they taught people how to navigate life. And so a common idiom in the first century was for rabbis to teach their yoke. And this is what a yoke was, a rabbi's reading, understanding, and application of Torah to one's life. It was a rabbi's um, reading, understanding, application of the law and how to apply it to one, one's life. The yoke of a rabbi was how you are to navigate and shoulder the weight and the load of life. Now, for a first century um, Jew, as they followed um, a rabbi and tried to take in his teaching, here's what they would have learned. That the yoke of the law would have been a very, very difficult thing to carry. The law, that's how you were to be a, a good Jew. And right standing with God, you kept all the commandments. You kept all the laws. And not only were there laws that, that Moses was given, but then they added on their own and they made some laws more complicated and they added fences around laws so that you couldn't even get close to breaking the law. It was really, really difficult. The yoke of a rabbi teaching people through the eyes of Torah how to understand and get through the craziness and the load of life would have been very, very heavy. 
because the law had strict demands that were impossible to keep. The yoke of a rabbi, the yoke of the law was heavy. It was burdensome. And you were constantly living your life feeling like you could not live up to the standard that God had for you. As a result, you can imagine religious burnout and the soul becoming burdened. But Jesus, what made Jesus unique wasn't that he had a yoke. Every rabbi had a yoke, how you were to carry the load of life. But what made Jesus unique was that his yoke wasn't one that burdened the souls of them in the first century, and it wasn't a yoke that burdens our souls. No, quite the opposite. Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for, rather than burdened, rather than striving. No, no, no. What you're going to do when you take my yoke is you will find rest for your soul. Why? Jesus concludes, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus came. And let's look at it at at the context that he was talking in at first to help us understand how this makes sense for us. Jesus came to introduce a brand new way to relate to God. That for a Jewish rabbi in the first century to relate to God, to be in right standing with God was all about rule keeping. It was all about keeping the laws. It was all about a religion. And Jesus said, here's the deal. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna introduce something brand new. It's not about religion of laws. It's about a relationship established by grace. And what Jesus came to do, it's not that the law was bad, it's that we were. We weren't good enough to keep it. Jesus knew that. So Jesus came to fulfill the perfect law so that we wouldn't have to. And rather than religion, he offered us relationship. And you know what you do in relationship? You walk with the other person. Jesus came to establish something different. A brand new yoke for how we are to carry the burdens and the load of life. And Jesus came to say, hey, this yoke no longer just depends on you because I'm introducing a brand new equation into the load of your life and it's me. I, by way of relationship with you, want to walk with you. The yoke of the law, this is what the yoke of the law taught, the yoke of the law, a heavy burden, obey the rules. Don't mess up or else. Now, the yoke of the world, that exists too. How the world will teach you and I to carry the burdens and the load of life. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. The yoke of the world, just do more. Just work more. Just earn more. Medicate it. Keep Bending, just fake it. And Jesus, who his words would have been so refreshing to those listening in the first century and I believe can be just as refreshing for you and I today, the yoke of Jesus to learn from him his way to to navigate the load and the weight of life drastically different. The yoke of Jesus, let me help. Learn my ways. Rest in my grace. Walk with me. 
rather than a yoke that said, good luck, you're on your own, rather than a yoke that said, you've got to measure up, rather than a yoke that says, just keep on going, just keep on doing, do whatever it takes, do whatever it does just to make you feel good, even if it's temporary. Jesus came to offer something and said, no, 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 let me help you. Let me walk with you. The reason why the load is lighter with Jesus is because he helps us carry it. And for those in the first century that were listening, a rabbi would have said, this is how you have to live up. And then if they didn't, you had plenty of self-righteous Pharisees making sure everybody knew it. And Jesus came to say, no, 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 this relationship is established by something different. Because here's what Jesus understood, that there is no escaping the weight of this world. There's no escaping the weight of it. Why? Watch this, you ready? Life is hard. And there's no escaping the hard of life. That's the beauty of Jesus' invitation, is that the invitation isn't to make your life and my life easier. Jesus' invitation is to make the burden and the load lighter. Jesus is inviting us to walk with him. Jesus is inviting us to literally learn from him, to learn his ways, to learn his pace, to learn his rhythm. He's inviting us to say, hey, listen, I want you to surrender your will and your ways to me because in me is where your soul is going to find rest. He's inviting us to allow him to bear the weight and the load of life with us. So back to the yoke. Two animals would carry the burden. And you know what would often happen? Often, farmers would be trying to train a younger, less experienced. In some cases, one ox is weaker than the other. And so you always had a bigger, stronger, more experienced ox that would set the pace for the weaker, less experienced, smaller ox. That the bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would increase the capacity of the weaker or smaller or less experienced ox. That the bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would set the course and in some cases would shoulder more weight if necessary to help the weaker, stronger, weaker, smaller, less experienced ox. And what Jesus is telling you, come be yoked to me. My burden is light because I'm gonna help you carry it. Come be connected to me. Now, this is so important. Jesus is not inviting us into like the little break room of heaven just to catch our breath for a little bit. It's bigger than that. No, what Jesus is inviting us into, and for some of us, inviting us back into, is discipleship, to follow him, to model our ways after him, to walk as he walked and to live as he lived, to spend time with him and to learn his ways. Because he doesn't want you to strive alone. He doesn't want you to work alone. He doesn't want us to navigate the weight of life alone. And he certainly doesn't want you to bet on any other way of living to give you fulfillment and satisfaction. Because he knows we're running at an unsustainable pace. And he knows our capacity is limited without him. And he knows there will come a point where we won't be able to push through and we might just break. But Jesus is saying, let me carry it with you. One of my favorite books that I've read, maybe ever, certainly in the past few years, is a book by an author called uh, John Mark Comer. 
It's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I cannot recommend it enough. And this is his little commentary on Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I love his brilliant mind and his language. He says, people all over the world, outside the church and in, are looking for an escape, a way out from under the crushing weight of life this side of Eden. But there is no escaping it. The best the world can offer is a temporary distraction to delay the inevitable or deny the inescapable. That's why Jesus, watch this, doesn't offer us an escape. He offers us something far better, equipment. He offers his apprentices or his followers a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity with ease at his side, like two oxen in a field tied shoulder to shoulder with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting at his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love, joy, and peace. If I could sum it all up, And one idea, I'd say it something like this, that your soul and mine is best when we come to Jesus for rest. That your soul and my soul is best when we accept Jesus' invitation for rest. Rest from the striving. Rest from the proving. Rest from the worrying. Rest from the hurting. So that we can rest in his grace, his promises, his strength, his sovereignty, his hope, his presence, his love. That your soul and my soul finds its best, is living out our best when we allow ourselves, surrender our lives to be yoked to Jesus who wants to show us the way, shoulder the weight and show us the way, shoulder the weight and show us the way to a full life that he promised to give you. Because watch this, when you're following Jesus, when you're being yoked to Jesus, do you know what life looks like? For you and for me, it means that no matter what we face, we always have the perspective of eternity. That we can live with hope in our hearts. That whenever we are yoked to Jesus, Come on, we're living at a different kind of pace and able to prioritize our values based on what our heavenly father values. That when you and I are yoked to Jesus, you know this, our relationships are healthier because putting the interests of others before our own makes them better. Come on, when you and I are yoked to Jesus, it's not about doing whatever it takes to get what we need that often leaves us feeling empty. No, no, it's an invitation into purpose. And in some ways, I don't fully understand when we yoke ourselves to Jesus, I'm just telling you, his spirit lives inside of you and he will speak to your heart. He will give you strength and he will remind you of the hope that you have. We could go on and on and on, but that's just a little glimpse. Your soul and my soul is at its best when we are yoked to Jesus, walking with And, and here's, here's just what's ultimately true. You ready? Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, this is for everybody. You're gonna be yoked to something. You're gonna be yoked to something. You are gonna figure out how to manage the load of life somehow. The question is, 
Will you accept the invitation for it to be with Jesus by your side doing the heavy lifting? Because the invitation is there. So the question is, would you surrender? Why not? And if I could just say, if you're a Jesus follower, you're like, yeah, no, I get it, man. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. Hang tight for just a second. Because you know what we're really good at? Saying we've surrendered our life to Jesus, but then holding on to a couple different things and not surrendering certain things. So I'll, I'll go first. I'll be vulnerable. And I'll tell you what this looks like for me. I'm a Jesus follower. Sure, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. But do you know what I often don't surrender? What yoke of the world I tend to be connected to? It's I struggle with surrendering the world's definition of success for my life. Because the world's definition of success is, hey, Sam, man, you need, to, you need to, to establish a platform. Your sermons have to be always next level. You've got to get a fo- following on social media. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to be influential. You've got to always say yes to this. You've always got to go do this. If there's a speaking opportunity, you don't say no. Go, go, go. Build, build, build. All about me, me, me. But here's what I know is true, is that puts me in a really unhealthy place for a number of reasons. My family doesn't get prioritized. My kids don't see me as much. I'm constantly worrying and stressed about the image I'm putting out rather than being faithful to the opportunities that I've been given. And suddenly, before I know it, my identity becomes wrapped up in how good of a job I've done and how good my last servant was. And it's so easy for me to forget that when I walk into my house, my kids don't care what my title is. They just see dad. So for me to surrender and accept Jesus' invitation, one of the ways, I don't have time to tell you all the ways, one of the ways is to surrender the world's definition of success over my life. And I'm gonna be yoked to Jesus. I'm not gonna do the striving. I'm not gonna play the prove myself game. I'm just gonna rest in his grace and I'm gonna be faithful. So, you don't have to tell me now, but what about for you? What do you need to surrender so that your soul can be at its healthiest for the sake of your faith, your family, your life? And then there might be some of you, man, you've, You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. But maybe you've tried a bunch of different things to fix this problem that's been going on the inside. And maybe you've gotten temporary relief, but nothing has given you what you've hoped. May I suggest that maybe a place you haven't looked yet is right there in front of you. Jesus, an invitation offered to you to surrender to him, to his ways, to his pace, living under his grace as he walks with you every step of the way. Now I get it. No matter who you are, I'm serious, surrender is scary. Again, I'll go first. Surrendering the world's definition of success, yeah, that's scary because then the world might not see me as successful. Surrender is scary any which way you cut it. How ever, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you also surrender the load of your life to Jesus. And what I know is I can't carry the load 
and experience fullness and experience peace and experience joy and experience love and experience health in my relationships and purpose in my life. But I know that I can. If I let Jesus carry the load with me and for me and walk in his ways rather than in mine. So, the question, what are you not surrendering? Would you surrender? And why not? Because there is a Savior that sees you and he wants to walk with you. And while bending is better than breaking, there's no need for us to be constantly bending, waiting for something to give. Because there is a Savior that gave his life to make himself available to you, to walk with you and shoulder the weight and the load of life for you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you see us. We're grateful that you care about how we are doing. We're so grateful that you care about our hearts. We're so grateful that you care about our families. We're so grateful that you care about our souls. So Father, would you, would you give us the courage to surrender today, whatever that looks like for us? To surrender a yoke that we've been holding on to that's sabotaging our souls. Maybe you give us the courage to surrender life and say, I'm done trying it my own way. I'm gonna follow Jesus. Thank you that he's available. Thank you that he's accessible. And thank you that you meet us right where we are as we are. God, and you love us way too much to keep us that way. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.